Hi everyone, welcome to Let's Chat Careers Advice. I'm Charlotte Lever and I'm joined by my co-host, Scott Keyes. We both work in recruitment at PwC and we're here to chat to you about all things careers. Today we'll be talking about pivoting or changing your career path and how to take the first step in what can often be a daunting or incredibly exciting time. Whether you have years of experience behind you and you're looking to retrain or perhaps you're about to finish studying and want to explore a completely different career route to your academic subject, then you'll likely find the story of today's guest very insightful. So this episode will be joined by Ian. Ian's recently been promoted to manage in one of our technology, data and analytics teams in Bristol. Ian helps clients with improving their business by using new technology. After working as a lecturer in cultural studies at Cardiff University and the University of the Arts London, Ian made a decision to pivot his career after five years and retrain in programming and pursue a technology career at PwC. Today he'll be sharing his experience of restarting in a brand new field and how he approached his career transformation. As you know, on this podcast, we like to show that we're all human and things don't always go according to plan. So each week we ask our guests to share one of their most human moments. So Ian, what's your human moment of this week? Hello, thank you. Um, Probably the most uh, human moment is that I've been having some problems with my computer, which means that (laughs) sometimes there's a slight delay when I'm typing. And uh, I was needing to message a colleague to ask them for some documents. And I wanted to write to them and say, uh, could you possibly send me this document? Now, as I was starting to write that, the computer froze slightly. And instead of saying, could you possibly, it just said, could you poo? And so I managed to catch it before it was sent. But um, but yeah, that was probably the most human moment is nearly messaging a colleague who could have been, she could have been in the middle of a presentation to a client, right? It could have been, it could have come up on screen. Um, so I did manage to catch it before it went. It's like autocorrect on your emails or on your phones when things do that, isn't it? But luckily you're right on our emails, you can catch it just before it goes. So well done for noticing. But a really <laughs> evil version of autocorrect that corrects to the worst possible sentence. Exactly. Okay, thank you. And huge congratulations on your recent promotion to manager. Perhaps to start, you could tell us a bit more about why you decided to make this huge life decision to transform your career and retrain in a new field. Um, I think the first thing I'd say is that although it sounds like a really large transformation, it wasn't a complete one um, because I wanted to keep the continuity in the areas that I enjoy working in. So things like um, solving problems, uh, talking to people, I'm a people person and working in an inclusive environment were all the things that I wanted to preserve. So I took some time to really reflect on finding a way of maintaining those things, even though I was also going to change some other things. So that was a big factor. I think also that there was a practical consideration, which is that the academic jobs market is full of short-term fractional contracts, which means that it's very difficult to plan. So you might have a job for six months in one location and then another job for six months in a completely different place. I was getting to a point where I thought that's not going to change anytime soon. So actually, I need to take a decision and kind of take it into my own hands to find something where I can have more stability. So there were two changes, really. The first was turning my hobby into my work by retraining to do programming in music technology. I'd previously been making music on computers since the, the late 90s. 
And so that was the first step really was to, to do that professionally. And then the second step was the move that ultimately ended up in me working at PwC to turn that really into a more um, full-time stable salaried role. Interesting. And, and the, the music um, technology, I've, I've seen it firsthand myself, maybe not in the depth that you were working with it. Um, I've had a lot of fun trying to create some music many years ago. Um, I'm assuming the platforms that you've all worked on where I've the, the, maybe Logic, I think, from the top of my head, may, may have been one. Yes, Logic. I've been all around the houses with Logic. I used to use it when it was on on the PC, and then Apple bought it, and then it went Apple only, and then I sold it briefly, and, and then I rebought it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it was partly. I mean, I spent a lot of time just kind of buying and selling other people's software, and then it became quite interesting to actually become someone who was providing that for other people to kind of make it myself. And, you know, really lovely people in that field. You know, it was it was fantastic working with people who would get wildly excited when we managed to make a little light flash on screen in time with the music. Um, so I really kind of enjoyed the enthusiasm of everyone. And that was exactly one of the things that I wanted to take over into, into the next step was to make sure I was working somewhere with people who were enthusiastic about what they were doing. And how long were you considering the change? And I guess one of our, our viewers might be quite interested to know as well, was there anything like holding you back from that move and doing it sooner? I think with the initial move, um, I was keen to, to see where the academic work went and to give it a reasonable amount of time because um, academic um, work obviously kind of proceeds in blocks of one year, right, corresponding to the academic teaching year. You have to kind of do it for a year, see how it's gone, and then you can refine what you're doing the year after. So it goes on quite a slow pace, probably, you know, differently to, to other jobs that don't involve teaching and learning. So, so it was five years, really, before, before switching, because I felt that I needed to give it that amount of time to, to get good at it, and also to um, to have enough opportunities to see what the wider you know what wider jobs are available. When I started um, freelancing initially, that was for a period of about eighteen months when I was also still doing some academic writing. Um, so I was doing the freelancing part time um, to begin with, and then made it full time for I suppose about three and a half years before moving to to PwC into that full time role. So it's been a whole mix of things. And I guess that the factors that have moved me from one step to the next have varied along the way. I think that it's it's interesting, isn't it? You didn't take the leap straight from being a lecturer to coming to PwC. You had that bit in the middle where you, it sounds like you, obviously you freelanced for a while and kind of used that time to work out what your priorities were. Sounds like that was a useful time for you during your career just to refocus and decide where you wanted to go next. Yeah, and freelancing is um, is an interesting experience because people, some people say, oh, that sounds amazing. You can just work in your dressing gown and just work when you like. And, and actually, it, it's true, you know, you have some autonomy, but then also you're just like a guy in his dressing gown after a certain amount of time. And, and you think, actually, I want to lose the dressing gown and, you know, kind of go out and, and work with people face to face. Um, so... So although you have that freedom and you have a lot of time to reflect on what you can bring to clients personally, it's a very one-to-one -one relationship. I also wanted to then be somewhere where I was in a larger team 
and getting a bigger view of, of different kinds of clients rather than just working in this music technology area where a lot of the, the jobs and the projects were pretty similar and they were also going to stay fairly similar for the foreseeable future. So again, rather like with the academic work, it was a question of needing to do it for long enough to fully understand it and then to be able to make an informed decision about what to do next. The prospect of making a career change can be quite daunting to a lot of people. Please, can you share some top tips for those uh, individuals thinking about making a career change? Yes, and I think, I mean, the interesting thing from, from my side was that when I was lecturing, I spent a lot of time telling students, don't forget your transferable skills and you're learning really valuable transferable skills. And then I really had to take my own medicine, right? And actually think, okay, what, what transferable skills do I have? And at first, like my first attempt at, at understanding that was just rubbish. I sat down with a piece of paper and wrote things like good sense of humor. I mean, <laughs> You know, just these are not not really useful skills for a workplace, maybe for a kind of dating profile. And um, and then I got a book. So I, I went to the library. I really went back to basics and said, OK, I need a book on how to get a job and how to think about your career and plan it. And I really then worked through very systematically and thought about the work that I'd done and the skills that it needed and basically did this whole did it properly. Um, you know, kind of proper analysis of I did this thing and then this happened and these were the skills that it demonstrated. So breaking it down in that way was a really useful exercise. I found it difficult. I think some people are naturally better at that earlier in life. It took me ages to, to get around to doing that properly. But once I did it, you know, it was very clear what the skills were. And then it made it much easier going into interviews and applications. Absolutely, I can I can imagine. Thank thank you for that. And that that's a huge um, example of individuals that you know want a complete career change, but don't understand the transferable skills they currently have. It's going it's deep diving into what you currently know and how you can convert that into something new. Um, which leads me nicely onto onto my next question. Like so, so the prospect could be quite daunting for for many people. Um, are there any practical top tips you could suggest for others? from start from scratch who want to change their career path? I think everyone is different. So there'll be different motivations and you have to be really honest with yourself about what you want and also about what you can and can't do. Despite the fact that I was, for example, a bit older than most people applying for the graduate scheme at PwC, I was also just very honest about the fact that I was clearly lacking the technical expertise to go into a more experienced role. Um, and you just have to recognize that and then plan accordingly. There's no point going into a, an application process, pretending to have skills or experience that you don't have, um, because then the feedback that you get will be completely useless because the feedback is gonna be about the fake person that you're pretending to be. So you can't do anything with feedback like that. It's not relevant to you. So I made a decision, made a commitment to just be very honest and transparent throughout the whole process about what I could do and couldn't do. And, and I think, of course, the other side to that is if you pretend to be someone you're not and then you're successful in getting a job, then you're in a role that you can't do. So then it's even worse. 
So for all kinds of reasons, I think the number one thing is just being very, very honest about, um, about who you are, what you want, and what you can do. And I think you need to be able to expect the same level of, of honesty and sincerity from the employers that you talk to. So one of the things that I did when I was looking for the roles that eventually led me to PwC was go to a graduate careers event and talk really uh, directly and in depth with the people who actually worked at the different firms I was interested in. So I really kind of prepared good questions, researched the companies, you know, did all the stuff that careers advisors to tell um, advisors tell you to do, um, and and showed up with my difficult questions. Um, but it was great because it meant that I was able to talk to people who were actually working at these firms and hear what it was really like. So I think it's important to have those genuine conversations. And the final thing I'd add is that it's essential if you're moving into a role, having been in another one, to be humble and be curious about the new role and the people you're working with. I've learned a huge amount, you know, every single day in the role I'm in now from people who are younger than me or who have um, different experience from me. So that, um, that mindset of being curious about others is critical because otherwise you will just be the bore that no one wants to be stuck with. Brilliant. Thank you, Ian. And, and, and it goes on just goes off to, to realise that you have to do your due diligence when you're going to these career fairs as well. You don't want to be that individual that's asking the same question as the, the 10 people before you as well. Um, understanding the company you are speaking to really, really will help you understand whether that company um, is something that you want to be part of. Um, so, yeah, some real good top tips there. Thank you. That's exactly right. And and actually, I've been since then on the other side of the of the fence at those careers events representing PwC. And I've had people come up to, to the table and say, what's PwC? And you think, come on, you know, you could have looked it up. You could have seen the stall. Maybe you didn't know what PwC is, but you could have looked it up on your phone just five minutes ago and at least been able to come up to the table without asking that question. Definitely, we experience that sometimes. I think that's a good tip. Don't forget to Google. <laughs> um, so you've mentioned about a sense of humour, but are there any other skills that you found were transferable from your previous role to your new technology role that you've been surprised by or you thought, oh, that skill that I have, that's been really important in kind of your, your success at PwC? I think there's there's probably some that didn't surprise me and then there's others that, that did. Um, so the things that I suppose didn't surprise me were things like the importance of structuring information and being able to communicate to clients. Um, so I was aware through my teaching and through my freelance work that that was something that your, your customer really values, whether you think of the customer as being the student in the lecture theatre or the, the client that's working remotely with you to, uh, to deliver a piece of music software. They really want someone who can explain it back to them in a way that shows they've understood it and helps them understand it. So that didn't surprise me, but I was very kind of pleased that I've been able to apply that. And what did surprise me, though, was the ability to look for what's missing. And by that, what I mean is that in um, a lot of my academic work, particularly when working in, in areas like the history of science, um, I've often been looking for what's missing from, from 
other people's work. So what are they not saying? Um, what are they omitting? What are they glossing over in order to tell the story they want to tell? Um, so it's a kind of historian's skill, I guess, in many ways. And actually that same skill of being able to look at something and see what's not there is really useful when you're helping a client figure out how to fix their problems. Because often they'll say, look, we've got a project, it's not working well, here's 200 documents about the project, tell me how I can do it better. So you've got 200 documents, right? But actually, often, it doesn't matter that much what the 200 documents say, it matters what they don't say, and what's not been done, what they forgot to do, or what they, they left out. So that kind of analytic skill is useful both in, in academic research and also in um, hands-on client work. Fab, that's really useful. I think that, you, yeah, that ability, not everyone would walk into PwC with that ability to see what's not there effectively, because quite often you get trained in a certain way and your deliverable isn't in that way, but being able to see it differently, I think that's a really key thing. Good to know there were some skills that were comfortable as well, that you, you knew you'd already done it in practice and now you were at PwC doing very similar you know, the very similar skills that were important in a different environment were still important. So that in your comfort zone, that's quite nice as well. <laughs> yes, it is important to have a mix. Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, it's not it's not always in the in the comfort zone, of course, because it's in a funny way. If you're speaking to 200 students, that's one kind of power dynamic. But if it's just you and the CEO of a company, that's just one person, but it's a different kind of power dynamic. So in some ways that's more nerve wracking than talking to a really large group of people. Thank you, thank you, Ian. Interesting uh, background and, and uh, context there. So, so finally, if you, if you could choose one piece of advice to give your 18 year old self before you started your career, what would that be? Um, okay, the sensible answer is, don't forget your pension contributions, <laughs> because particularly if you do a lot of academic study, you're not paying into a pension, right? And that becomes more and more important. But that's that's not a very exciting piece of advice. And if I'd said that to my 18 year old self, I would have probably said, oh, this is the boring guy who I don't want to get stuck with in the kitchen because he keeps talking about pension contributions. Um, when I was 18, I was really committed to studying medieval English. And, and so it turned out I was absolutely rubbish at it. So I tried to do it the first year of university and it was just a disaster. Um, so I suppose the advice I would give is, you know, you won't always end up doing what you expected and be willing to, to change path and don't see it as giving up. It's actually more about just finding the thing where you can um, where you can be most valuable to other people and also do well at something, um, not medieval English. Ian, thank you so much for the conversation today. It's been really insightful and I'm sure that people will take away a lot of good tips. If you're interested in a career at PwC, head over to our website at pwc.co.uk forward slash careers. And don't forget to subscribe to be notified of future episodes and hear first-hand career advice from some of our PwC people. Thanks so much for listening. Bye, everyone.